Okay, today we're going to be in chapter 8, kind of like a little review before we get started in this chapter. Paul the Apostle is writing to the, uh, to the Roman church, church in Rome. The book of Romans uh, stands at, you know, in a special place. Uh, many think as kind of Paul's best book, I guess you could say something like that, uh, if you take a vote. Very influential, and, and to many men that we know, you know, God has raised up and used, you know, throughout the, uh, you know, the years. Augustine was converted through reading Romans 13, 13 through 14, and that says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Martin Luther was given a clear meaning of God's righteousness by reading Romans uh, 117. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. It's that, that verse here, the just shall live by faith. John Wesley received assurance of salvation through hearing what Martin Luther wrote in his commentary on the book of Romans. One commentator said that when anyone understands this epistle here, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole scripture. So pretty cool, right? The book of Romans. So many people have been touched by this book. All glory to God for that. Um, Paul wasn't able to, to go to Rome, you know, physically uh, to minister there. Rome was a, a motivation, uh, mostly because of its location for Paul to go there. Uh, there was a common phrase that all roads lead to Rome. So, you know, it was a common reference to it. So bringing the gospel there in person was a good strategy uh, for delivering the gospel. Paul couldn't go, so he wrote this letter. Not dealing with, with like, church problems like in other books, like in Corinthians and so forth. Um, but giving them the gospel. Showing them the gospel and the love of God to the saints in Rome. So let's, uh, we're going to start reading Romans chapter 8. We're not going to go through the whole chapter you know i'm going to read it though you never know who might be touched by a certain verse you know, but we're going to camp out towards the end 31 through 39 we're going to spend a little time there you guys with me romans chapter 8 it says there is therefore no now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but to receive, but you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I also, sorry, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly, eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind and the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, it who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That was great, right? Should we end it now? <laughs> the, this first section of the chapter, uh, chapter one or uh, chapter eight, deals with uh, the law and how our flesh cannot satisfy the law. God, in His goodness, sent His Son to fulfill the law and sacrifice for all mankind. Romans six ten for the death that He died, He died once for all. Uh, goes on to talk about living according to the flesh and according to the spirit. Right, both sides there, and how each bring their results. You want to live carnally, according to your flesh, it will bring death. You want to live spiritually minded, with the spirit, it will bring what? Life and peace. Verse 7 says, uh, living carnally minded is enmity against God, which means you live in hostility against him. You know, what, what I want, not what God wants. You are opposing him and his ways. Uh, one word it gave in the definition is hatred against him. You cannot please God or will you ever please him if you are living according to the flesh. You guys understand that? You cannot please him if you're living according to the flesh. This lifestyle of living in the flesh, you know, is, is to some, you know, in this world, fun, right? Fun, um, might feel good for a time, but as we all know, we'll come to a place where all that fun living uh, was for nothing in eternity. Uh, so let's live according to the Spirit, amen? Live according to the Spirit, and we'll be prepared for what the, the middle of chapter 8 talks about, and that, that is the suffering that we go through. Suffering's a bummer, right? Suffering's a bummer. Um, but the fact for us as believers, it, it will come. It will come eventually. You know, it's, it's been a, a crazy time here at Calvary Chapel Almani the last couple of months, you know, like six months. We've had lots of stuff going on here as a family. Uh, we've had so many funerals in the past couple of months, so many trials, sufferings people are going through. You know, it's been super rough. Uh, but nothing has changed in the heavenlies, correct? Nothing's changed there. God is still on the throne. He still is in control. He still looks down upon us, and he wants us to live for him. Now, that doesn't change according to what's going on here on earth. You know, he still loves us. He still cares for us. The only thing, the only thing that might change uh, through those sufferings, you know, is, is us, is our distance or closeness to God. You could either be closer to him during those sufferings, or you could move yourself away you know, during those sufferings, you know, a choice made by each of us individually, you know, we each make a choice when we go through hard times and what we're going to do, you know, everyone in this room makes that choice to run to him or to run from him in, in those times. Verse 18 in chapter eight speaks about these sufferings and, and helps us put these uh, times into perspective. Um, 818 says, for I consider that the sufferings of this time, this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in them. So all those times, you know, the times we're having here aren't even going to compare to those times, that time when we're with him. We're going to forget all those crazy things. All the groanings, the sufferings will be gone one day. All the birth pangs, as, as it's described, will vanish. You know, but it's all for, for the purpose 
you know, glorifying God. Warren Wiersbe said this. He says, this, these uh, groanings is not a useless thing. Paul compared it to a woman in travail, you know, birth of a child. There is pain, but the pain will end when the child is delivered. One day creation will be delivered and the groanings creation will become a glorious creation. The believer does not focus on today's sufferings. He looks forward to tomorrow's glory. Today's groanings bondage will be exchanged for tomorrow's glorious liberty. So suffering isn't fun, but it has its purpose you know, and an end result. It will be so much fun when we are in heaven with our Lord one day. Uh, I can't pass over verse 28. This is a, a verse that I'm sure all of us hold close to us. Uh, 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those are, who are the called according to his purpose. How many, of, uh, how many of you believe or have seen this happen in the lives of people around you? You guys seen this happen? All these things working together for good. Right, you've seen it in people's lives. Crazy how that works, right? So, like, unbelievable sometimes. You know, you will not see this. You will not see it if you're not looking for it. You know, God has an ultimate plan to save us from, from death, and he has done that through the work of the cross, you know, Jesus dying for our sins. But all these things, these hard things that happen in our lives, we can't really sometimes put our finger on them. You know, the, the why, right, the why questions. Why is this happening, God? You know, most of mostly these things, you know, most of the sufferings, diseases, sicknesses are a result of the fall, right back in Genesis. But God will still use these sufferings for good somehow, some way. We we cannot dwell on just the situation, on just the suffering, on just that specific event. We have to be spiritually minded. And say, Lord, you know, I don't know, I don't know why this is happening, but I know, I know, I won't say I know. I know you want to use this in my life or someone else's life. You know, but be looking, you know, have those spiritual eyes and, and watch what the Lord does, and He will blow your mind. He will blow your mind. Let's read verses thirty-one through thirty-nine, and we'll we'll camp out here says, uh, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also, sorry, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we went over the sufferings as Christians, you know, this section further emphasizes uh, that God is for us. He's on our side. 
God who willingly sent his son to die for me, to die for you, would he turn his back on us? He will not, right? He will not. Um, we will get opposed. There will be trials. There will be accusations thrown at us. But he is for us. And he will use it for his good. I, you know, I think of the story of Joseph, you know, back in Genesis, you know, not a smart kid, right? And, and how he dealt with his brothers, you know, making them jealous and everything like that. But he went through a lot. You know, his brothers, you know, threw him into a, into a pit, sold him into slavery. He was thrown in jail. You know, all this time being away from his father as well, you know, who loved him so much. But God, right? I like that phrase, but God. But God used this time. Joseph ran from sin. Joseph kept his eyes on the Lord. Uh, throughout these events, the Bible says that, if you look at back in Genesis, it says the Lord was with Joseph. I think it's like four or five times. The Lord was with Joseph. Same thing with us. You know, if we go through these trials, you know, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. But it's our choice. Will our actions be his actions? Will we be led by the Spirit of God when we are challenged? Or will our flesh govern us? That's the easy route, right? Our flesh. Joseph was then raised to power, you know, second in command to Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt. The Lord showed him favor, giving him the gift of interpreting dreams. You know, was given so much, and I believe it was because of his commitment to running to God in the trials and in the suffering. You know, even in, in naming his, his kids, he acknowledged God's hand upon him. You know, his first kid uh, was named Manasseh. It says, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. His second, second child, Ephraim. And he says, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Right? Even in those things, he acknowledged that God was with him. Philippians 1.20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether in life or whether in death. And one more, a couple of references, Isaiah 54.17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which raises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Psalm 84, 11 through 12. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will, be, will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is that man who trusts in you. And, and back in, uh, we're talking about Joseph, Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for what? For good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. You know, the, these promises are good to, to lean on, right? They're, they're, they're promises there. And also know that, that our adversary, too, our enemy, will stand there looking to just be a roadblock, right? To trip us up every single day when we roll out of bed. I'm good till I roll out of bed. Then that's when all the challenges start. Um, verses 33 to 34 kind of goes over, you know, who shall bring a charge against God's elect. You know, in verse 34, uh, who, who is he who condemns? Who are we going to stand before to give an account one day at the end? God, right? 
you know, these two verses here deal, uh, deal with those accusations and, and lies that the enemy or his demons or people here on earth use against the people of God. We will not stand before Satan to give an account at the end. We will not stand before Satan's army to give an account one day. We will not stand before people to give an account. We will stand before God to give an account one day. Clear? It's only God, right? It is God who justifies. It is Christ who makes intercession for us. There is a, an Old Testament example that gives us more insight to this. We went over this during uh, the men's study. We went over the uh, strategies of Satan uh, on Wednesday night. So you can turn with me to Zechariah uh, chapter 3, and we'll go over this real quick. Old Testament, right? Chapter 3. All right, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. In this not a brand is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways and you keep my commands, then you shall also judge my house. And likewise, have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. So th this here is a vision given to, 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 um, given to Joshua, the high priest of Israel at the time from Zechariah, the prophet. You know, the, it's, the setting is, is a courtroom setting. Um, God is the, the what? The judge. Joshua, the high priest, is the, the defendant. And Satan is the, the bad guy, the prosecutor, right, trying to prove Joshua is guilty. Um, anyone ever been in a courtroom before? Witnesses, right? All witnesses. Um, but, you know, I've been there a few times, and, and, and the setting of a courtroom is, is, is intimidating, right? It's very intimidating. You, you have a judge that can ultimately take Take away your, your livelihood based on what he sees as evidence, right? We have a jury maybe too. Um, you have the, this prosecutor, you know, hurling these accusations and evidence um, that uh, you're guilty of. You know, it's, it's an ugly thing seeing the, the defendant, you know, not being able to, to say a word at times. Nothing. Just sitting there getting verbally, you know, torn to pieces. Uh, and Zechariah, the, the opposer himself, is standing against Joshua, and he seems to have a case, right? Because Joshua, the high priest, as a representative of the people of Israel, is supposed to wear dirty clothes or clean? Clean clothes, right? Clean. 
Um, but he's wearing, as it's described, filthy garments there. You know, at this time, the whole nation of Israel had once again returned to their wicked ways and were doing crazy things again. In other books like Ezra and Nehemiah, the men of Israel marrying unbelieving wives. Uh, the merchants were ripping off the people, charging them, you know, at a high in interest rate. The priests were robbing the Lord, right, and keeping the best of the sacrifices for themselves. And, you know, this gives us a clue to why Joshua's clothes are, are filthy, right? They're filthy. The people were in sin, and their representative was wearing their sin. You know, the accuser is right there. Look, you know, look at, look at your people, God. Look at, look at what they're doing. They are disobeying you again. You know, you need to, to judge them for their actions. You know, they are so unworthy to be called your people. This is what, what Satan does to us as individuals, too. You guys ever hear those, those words? You are not worthy, Rich, to be called God's son. You know, he whispers. He even shouts sometimes. You know, he reminds us of what we have done. You know, and, and that, that's a, and it's always going to happen, right? It's a given. Satan's always going to come after us. But, you know, Satan is, isn't, you know, satisfied to just us and just leading us into sin. You know, he doesn't just celebrate when we fall. You know, his, his next action is to keep us there and to keep us there in our sin, to, to wallow in the mud and muck of our sin. You know, his, his aim is our hearts, you know, to, to get inside, to get us to doubt our standing in Christ. You know, if he, if he gets a foothold there, you know, it's not going to lead to anywhere good. Nowhere good. We sin, we fall, we ask for forgiveness. God's grace is there, amen? God's grace is there. But what, what's next? Do we stand there defeated? No, right? We, we, we get up with the grace and power of God and walk again. Nothing of ourselves, because we're guilty, right? Who's guilty here? Guilty as charged. But no doubt, God, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ is upon us, right? And we are clean. You know, I love that phrase, but God. But look what God has done. You know, in Zechariah, the Lord rebukes Satan. You know, kind of shoes him away, and I have chosen Jerusalem. I have chosen. You can add your name there. I have chosen you. And in verse 4, God says, take away the filthy garments from him. And he says, see, look. See, in verse 4, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you in rich robes. You know, this is a promise for all those who have, ex have accepted Jesus Christ as their, as their Lord and Savior. It is God who justifies and God who judges, and he has given us our evidence for innocence, his son. You know, the blood of Jesus Christ is on those uh, as through the work of the cross, right? The blood there. Don't let Satan get into the, that sacred place, right? That area there. You know, the place of God's love upon us. You know, defend it. Right? Don't let anybody in there. You know, the last verse in chapter 3 of Zechariah is cool. One commentator said this about, you know, um, the last, I didn't read that, verse 10. It says, in that day, because they're still there, in that day, says the Lord of hosts, Everyone will invite his neighbor under the vine and under his fig tree. You know, this is an expression that means uh, prosperity and peace. Uh, this is what one, com one commentator said. It says, ultimately, 
The peace that the reign of the Messiah brings, the vision and word from Zechariah shows how much God wanted to encourage and strengthen Joshua. And he does it the best way, setting his eyes on our Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's our best encouragement. When things happen, you get defeated, you set your eyes on him. You don't set your eyes on your sin you know, or your failings. You set your eyes on who takes away and washes away those sins, right? You focus on him. You know, fix your eyes on your Savior. It doesn't matter what happens, what we are being ac- accused of. You know, don't focus on your circumstances. Don't focus on your accuser. Fo- fix your eyes on the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 11, you can write that down. It says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my perse- persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. All right, back in Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. Verses 35 and 36. Um, that first verse, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it goes over all those um I guess areas there. The the Greek word for, for separate is a word that, that most of us are familiar with. It's chorizo. Kind of weird, right? But it's not the same pronunciation. It's chorizo. Right? But we can say chorizo, right? Now when you guys eat chorizo, you guys know. Separate. Separation. To divide, to, to part, to separate oneself, you know, to 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 drive a wedge, right? And you and the Lord. You know, are, are any of these things going to do that? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword. You know, the definition of tribulation is just a pressing pressure upon you. Anything that burdens your spirit as a believer. Distress, you know, just kind of has a definition of a narrow place that you're going to be at. You know, with extreme affliction. You know, persecution, someone coming against you for your beliefs. Right? Famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Can any of these things come in between you and the love of Christ? No. It cannot. Are we sheltered from all these things? No. Absolutely not. It will come. During these times, there will be, there will be growth. You guys excited for growth? For growth. Earlier in this chapter, God assures us that the difficulties of life are working for us, not against us. You go through a trial, they're going to work for you, not against you. You must endure the trials. We will never, will he ever abandon us during these events? He'll never, right? He'll always be with us. We are like sheep, right? I won't make you make the noise. We are like sheep. Sometimes we don't know what to do. We're weak at times. You know, if, if this were true, you know, that these things would, would separate us from the love of Christ, it, it would have happened a long time ago, right? A long time ago. The love of God is still with us. Uh, William McDonald said that the career of a Christian is a living death. You know, because of our identification with Christ, we are killed all day long. We are like sheep for the slaughter. You know, sorry to say, you know, to tell you the enemy doesn't come after us because of us. He doesn't come after us because of us. 
is because of Christ inside of us that he comes after us. When we identify ourselves with Christ and the, the, the saving power of the cross, we enter into the battle. Yet, verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. To be, to be more than conquerors, uh, the definition is to gain surpassing victory, to be, to be hyper conquerors. We are preeminently victorious. It's not just like you win, right? It's like you win. <laughs> crazy, crazy amount, right? I remember Pastor Manning teaching this a while back, and, and he said, this isn't a natural thing. It, it is a supernatural event. Uh, this is all through the power of the Spirit of God that we are more than conquerors. You know, I, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys are familiar with that story? And, and how Nebuchadnezzar saw them go through the fire, and they were not hurt. I mean, who was with them? Lord, right? The Lord is with them in the fire. Are we more than conquerors like them? Do the people of this world, you know, the, the Nebuchadnezzars, the unbelievers see us go through these trials, walking through the fire and coming out not even with the smell of smoke on us. You know, in Daniel 3.27, talking about this, this is the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. The fire had no power on them. When people see that, you know, it's, it's supernatural. You know, they, they notice, hey, you know, these guys are going through some crazy things, some crazy stuff, but they're good. They're, they're okay. You know, we're the ones hurting. They should be the ones hurting, but they're not. You know, during, during those trials and, and hardships, let's, let's be more than conquerors. You know, I just staying, you know, keeping your eyes on the Lord, right? Supernatural. Let me read verses uh, 38 through 39 again, and we'll wrap it up. 38 through 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, uh, Warren Risby said this about these two verses. He says, we need not fear life or death, things present or things to come, because Jesus Christ loves us and gives us the victory. This is not a promise with conditions attached. If you do this, God will do that. This security in Christ is an established fact. It's a fact. And we claim it for ourselves because we are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from his love. Believe it and rejoice in it. If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, I, you know, I share this today uh, kind of with a little hesitation. Um, you know, it was funny, on Friday night we were spending time with some close friends at a, at a friend's house, and, and he asked, you know, what I was going to be sharing on, and he guessed this scripture, kind of funny, funny thing, and I, and I was like, wow, you know, he guessed it, <laughs> and then he goes on to say that, that Bible teachers say that this chapter, you know, Romans chapter 8, 
is like the, the Mount Everest of Scripture. And I was thinking, well, thanks a lot. You know, I'm going I'm to go home and study now. You know? uh, but, but, you know, this, I'm sharing this, this section here uh, because this verse was uh, coming back to me day after day after day um, in my home. Uh, in my home, we've been going through a lot, you know, some heavy things. And, and it was something that we, that we were dealing with as a family. And, you know, the, the whys, the, the hows, you know, the, the why us questions. You know, um, some, of, some of you know back in like late February, um, uh, you know, our family was all excited. You know, my wife told me we were expecting our seventh child. Seven, yeah, I said seven. Um, and, and, you know, we were all, the, the kids were all, you know, fighting whether it's going to be a girl or a boy, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, we're going through it kind of like, you know, it's a normal thing, you know, pregnancy, get ready, the baby's coming type of thing. And, um, you know, we go to our first doctor's appointment, and ultrasound, the lady did it and didn't say really say anything too much. And we sit down with the doctor, and he said, you know, something's wrong, you know, with the baby. Um, so we kind of go through that, you know, kind of shocking at first, you know, no heartbeat. Um, but we kind of just decided to wait and pray, um, see what happens, you know, because mistakes happen, right? Doctors make mistakes. We don't want to do any special procedure, so to speak. And, um, but it kept happening that way. We go to the next appointment, still no heartbeat. Um, and eventually, you know, my wife's, um, uh, you know, a, a clear thing is like the hormone level drops down, right? And so it was a... Really happened. We she, we ended up having a miscarriage, so kind of a bummer, right? I mean, like, I'm not kind of a bummer, right? We were real, real shocked. Um, toughest conversation I probably probably top three. I'd say top three conversations of, um, you know, having to talk to our kids about it. You know, from from twelve to to three, you know, trying to um, walk them through it, right? Um, remind them that. God loves us, right? These things happen. You know, it's in scripture, right, like we went over today. But I know God's going to use this for good, correct? No. So so we go through that, you know, and that's going on. And we're wondering, you know, I'm kind of wondering, you know, you know, the whys. You know, why is this happening, Lord? You know, I thought I had some, like, a sidebar visit with the Lord. You know, that this isn't, this isn't going to happen to the Aguilar house, you know. Has ever had those conversations <laughs> with the Lord? But this, I know that this says Lord, but you know this is not supposed to happen over here. But you know I'm, we're we're thinking about that. I'm trying to put these things together and you know put my finger on it, uh, but it's it's not happening. I'm like missing right. I'm still not understanding. And and then we go through this other event over here, where you know our mother-in-law is go, my mother-in-law is going through these things. You know, um, you know she had cancer back in the day. Now she has this blood thing. She's getting blood transfusions. And and now we need to care for her. You know, she's in hospice now. She's just staying at our house now. So I'm thinking over here. You know, I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm not sure if I'm crazy or not. But you know, I, I I saw this happen on this side. You know, wife not pregnant anymore, and now she has to care for my mother on this side. So I'm thinking, you know, did this? I don't think this happened because of to get to this. But I know God used this to to get to here. You guys understand? You know, my wife would not be able to care for my mother or for her mom. 
us. I know, I know God uses. Not necessarily this happened, because we never know why this happened. Right? But I know this is God's using you some way, right? To to bring glory to his name, right? To to help us to grow, because we're growing. I think it's the most most growth we've ever had. Right? We're growing together as a family. But I know God's promises will, will always be there. His love will always be there. Right? This section kind of goes over, you know, this God's love upon us. You know, all kinds of challenges, you know, we, we but that, that, those quotation marks, I know God's going to use this for his good, right, eventually. And I think he did. I think he did. And we're, we're still going through. Keep my mother-in-law, mother-in-law in prayer. You guys been praying for her. her name's Margie, Margie Haquez. So keep her in prayer. She's doing well. She's on a little vacation with, uh, and then now we're on a vacation too over here at, at their house. So things are going on there. Um, but you know, with the, with all these things, you know, you know, I, I'm not sure how to tell you guys, you know, um, how to how to be in that place where you always focus on on God's love. Cause I know it's tough, right? You know, these things happen, and we don't know what to do sometimes. But the Lord showed me yesterday in a in a in a ten and eight year old flag football game what to share with you guys. Uh, stay in your zone. Stay in your zone. I had a um, couple of guys that went to Israel. They they coached uh, my boys' flag football team. So while they're gone, I got to sub in a little bit. And uh, you know the little guys, right? So the, I'm a the defensive person, right? Knucklehead over here. But I'm just like stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there, and we'll be good. Stay in your zone. And they, they were out of sight. They did good. right? They did well. I was so proud of them. But I think, you know, as Christians, you know, we, we have that zone we need to be in. right? Someone comes, I told them, if someone comes in your zone, that's, that guy's all yours. Deal with him. Don't worry about anything else. I think just like that, we have that zone, our zone of the love of God upon us. We've got to guard it. If anyone comes in that zone, anything comes in that zone, you deal with it with the love of God. You don't let anything come in or go out without dealing with the love of God upon your life. You stay focused on those things. And God will be glorified. And you will grow. Who wants to grow here? We all, you guys aren't ecstatic. You want to grow. <laughs> it's tough. I know it's tough. You know, so many things have been going on. You know, I think of the family here, the family there, the funeral here, the funeral there. And it's just crazy stuff. I know that the love of God never changes. Stay in your zone, amen? Remember anything. Don't remember chorizo. <laughs> remember, stay in your zone. Stay in your zone as Christians. The love of God will be the answer to all your struggles, your sufferings, and anything. The love of God is going to trump that, right? Amen?